Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 54 for Monday, August 26, 2019. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, although you may know him better as Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello. Uh, normally this would be a roundtable this episode. It's the last one of the month. Uh, we normally have guests on for these things, or we try to, but unfortunately today it is just the two of us. Schedules happen, people, and uh, we've been trying to get a few people on the show occasionally, but for whatever reason things haven't really lined up. So apologies for that, but it looks like, judging by the show notes we've got in front of us, we've got a pretty action-packed show for you, so I'm excited to get into some of this stuff. Me as well, and I believe, if I uh, remember correctly, that August into September and Christmas are the two hardest times to book people on podcasts from yeah. my experience with comics coast to coast. Cause that was, a, had to have a guest every week and, and, uh, it was always tough cause, uh, it was the combination of family vacations and convention season for comic artists. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then of course, Christmas time, everybody's busy with family. And if they're not busy with family, they're traveling or shopping or like, there's just the to-do list is a mile long. We're trying so, to backlog all of the work before they take yeah, a break. Yeah, yeah exactly. Totally. Exactly. So that's that's usually the case. Um, but hopefully we'll be able to swing in some new guests. And uh, and we have a little bit of a roundtable back and forth, I think, this week, too. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some stuff to talk about. Uh, let's start by talking about the usual stuff, what's going on in our Minecraft lives. Why don't you kick us off this week? I built flying machines. Hey. I, I have built them live on stream. Redstone okay, well, flying <laughs> machines, I assume, as opposed to, like, yeah. just a, a plane. <laughs> yes, no, I, I, built, I built the observer-based redstone flying machines. Uh, okay, confession, I built one off stream and made sure it worked before I built the other four, mm -hmm. seven, no, six? How many were there? Six in total. So I built five on stream. Uh, and they worked on the third try. So, <laughs> so that's good. And I should say the flying machines always worked. It was the switches to turn them on and off that I would like yeah. forget a piece or whatever. Yeah. And, that, that timing stuff is difficult too. Like you've got to mm -hmm. make sure that something just, just touches the observer once, which is actually really difficult for stuff with observers to do. So yeah, it's, I do find that troubling. Uh, observers are a cool block, but I have a hard time wrapping my head around um, one, how, flying machines work i get that they work i see the pattern and i understand how to make them now but they're powering the air above a piston and so I, <laughs> yeah so it's quasi connectivity or i think that's what's happening diagonal powering pistons is the yeah, thing, yeah yeah so that's so that to me is strange um it would make more sense if there had to be a block above the piston like if you had to put a slime block above the piston or something for it to move then that mm -hmm. would make sense right um, but the other thing that I find interesting is uh, how complicated the redstone looks for something like Nembon's Fortress Crossroads farm, which is what I'm building on the Citadel. I should say what I've built. The, all the redstone functionality is now in place, which is exciting. Mm. But I was really intimidated by how it looked, how it worked, the flying machines, all of it. And he doesn't really go for a block by block tutorial in his video. He explains how it works, but he doesn't show you how to build it. He just kind of offers the download, which is good and bad. It, it took a lot longer because instead of pausing a video, I had to constantly switch between one Minecraft world and the next. Yeah. Yeah. Counting blocks and stuff like that. It took a lot of screenshots. Uh, but one thing that I did kind of learn is despite how intimidating it was i'm redstone savvy but i'm i couldn't design something like this like this yeah, is not something yeah. i could come up with on my own and so i now know how to use flying machines so i could implement them in other farms i also now know 
the theory behind how flying machine return mechanisms work. And really all you need is just an observer that sees the flying machine arrive and then just turn that signal around in a loop and send it back. And yeah. so that you have a receiving observer that then updates a reserve, um, an observer that is on the flying machine. And you just have to make sure that you update the right one first. Um, that's something I don't really know. It's like I, the first time I tried to launch a flying machine, I tried to update the wrong observer and it went the wrong way. And I was like, okay, so... I guess I do the other one. Um, but there are some ingenious ways in Nembon's build of how he sends observers on its way. Uh, an observer that then flicks a uh, trapdoor. Yeah. An observer that powers an empty dropper. The dropper just clicks, but the, but the observer sees the click and then is sent off. Which yeah. I think is probably the tidiest, right? Because that's a single update. There's no, there's no flip flip of the of the trapdoor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then what was the other thing that I noticed that was really cool? Oh, uh, it's hard to explain, but the switch for the main sweepers, it's an observer on the end of a line of of slime blocks. So not only does moving that observer into place initiate the flight sequence. But that observer in that position is also the bounce back signal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then, so you turn it on and put the bounce back in place. But when you turn it off, you remove the bounce back and they always come to rest in the same position. Like it's very, very clever. So I learned a lot. I did a ton of it on stream on the weekend. So if you're looking to see that built live and, and it kind of like, I explain how it works with some visuals, uh, all designed by Nembon. Um, and I mispronounced his name a number of times in the stream, by the way. Um, but check it out because I, I really had a lot of fun with it. I got super excited when it started to work. And now we have the long, arduous process of spawn proofing <laughs> the nether for this mm -hmm. farm to really work. But I have checked all the mechanics. The, the few mobs, like two zombie pigmen and a couple skeletons, they made it way to the very bottom. So everything sweeps and crushes and not crushes, but sweeps and drops and pushes as it should and i'm thrilled <laughs> it's super yeah. it was been super super fun i highly encourage people to find a redstone project that is well beyond your understanding and build it anyway you will learn an absolute ton i am gonna have to do some of that myself soon because i'm getting into the stages where i'm building slightly more complex farms and and the redstone stuff is something that i need to catch up with and strangely i know you said you had a bit of like trouble understanding quite how observers do what they do and like when to expect certain behavior and that kind of stuff. Observers are one of those blocks for me which actually make perfect sense. And I kind of, they, they've, if, if not necessarily, I can't quite explain how they work, but I know what to expect from them. And they've made redstone a little bit more palatable for me and easier. The problem I have with redstone most of the time is following tutorials and stuff like that. It's usually been refined and optimized and um, like the, the design is so kind of stripped down from what they presumably started with. You start with like redstone wire tangled everywhere and then you figure out like the most elegant looking redstone contraption after that because you, you're trying to like minimize the amount of components you're using and that kind of stuff. Um, just kind of refine it down to the, the, the most compact thing it can be. Compacting redstone like that is really difficult for me because I can't necessarily imagine how the circuit could be made more efficient and I feel like the thing that intimidates me is seeing 
circuits that people like Mumbo and Il Mango and, you know, a lot of the technical people that you can pull out of the air, they have the most elegant-looking contraptions, and then you almost can't see into them because it's so densely packed with components. The stuff I would love to learn to do is piston doors. Mm-hmm. And the... the um. The kind of emphasis with piston door stuff is making stuff as compact as possible. You know, you've got a three by three door. It only uses a five by five footprint. It's super compact, you know, that kind of thing. That's the stuff I just can't work out on my own, which is frustrating because one of the, my, my ethos for doing a lot of the stuff that I do in the survival guide series is just making sure that I understand every inch of it. And that usually means puzzling through it myself so that I can then explain it to my audience instead of just building something someone else has built block for block and going, well, that's just how it works because, like, not mm-hmm. not that I, I can't really offer an explanation for it. And I've had to do that a couple of times with bedrock breaking because <laughs> I have no idea how that works still. I can vaguely explain it. But there are definitely yeah. some things where I would love to be able to take people through a piston door design block for block and tell them why each of the components is there and how it does what it does. But I just can't seem to work that out on my own. I get into a creative test flat world I place a couple of blocks and then I just become redstone illiterate after that and I have no idea what I'm doing. So I really need to uh, I need to crack on. I need to find some free time really just to spend like a whole day in a redstone lab kind of environment where I'm testing different things and figuring out quite how everything interacts with everything else. I'm looking forward to doing like a custom version of the storage system. Like, I mean, I know what needs to happen for this farm, but I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to, because I've done a number of storage systems before. So I'm looking forward to kind of tweaking it to make it my own. Um, I, I also changed the design of this. I wanted it to look as cool as it could. So instead of leaf blocks, which are cheaper and easier to get, but really ugly in the nether, the entire farm for immovable objects is furnaces and blast furnaces. Uh, nice. not, the, not the cheapest thing, but looks really mean and industrial and it's all black and gray and metal and stuff like that. So that's really cool. Um, speaking of, of the confusing things about observers, uh, I've, I've come up with two things. One, I know why I find them cumbersome to place, and it's because all the other blocks that you put down that have a face or a front, when you put that block down, it faces you. Yeah, Sh- and chests. observers are the opposite. Yeah, yeah, observers are the opposite. But now, uh, and I kind of want to retexture my observers to look like a cat. I just think when you're looking at a cat, they ultimately always just like cat butt. Like you always end up with <laughs> the meme online is like, you know, cat butts are always in your face. And observers, they look like they have a cat butt. I will leave it mm-hmm. at that. Uh, apparently, once it is seen, it is not unseen. But I feel yep. like uh, texturing my observer to look like a cat would be uh, hilarious. Yeah, um, <laughs> just giving it like the little ears and stuff. <laughs> a little like uh, keep it metal. But maybe I'll make it look like a robot cat. I think that could yes. be quite funny. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the other thing that that I am surprised that they don't do, and this is why I get confused with their actual signal output, is that when you put a signal into a block with most other redstone components i hesitate to say all but most that block is then hard powered at like 15 and then the signal strength from that just diminishes the farther that you get away with from it if you're running a redstone line observers when they see something happen they don't output a full strength and i always get confused by that so you always have to have like a repeater or a block with a repeater or something to then boost the signal out of an observer. And I always find it funny that they don't do like a strong power. I'm sure there's a reason for it. I just don't know what it is. I'm going to have to look that up now. I'm kind of curious about what they do output because I've always assumed maybe I didn't build like long enough redstone wire to no, it's to one. figure out how long it's, that it, is. It's just one. and it's And it's just one in the fact that it won't 
like affect anything like you it, it's not long enough like if you put a torch on a block and have the output of an observer go into that block it won't turn off the torch it's not long enough it's too short of a pulse to affect the torch the torch doesn't update quick enough it's it's weird it's, it's why i find it so funny and this is why because i because when you look at the design from like nembon and you look at how many observers and repeaters and blocks and it's like why is this so messy and then you're like oh because the observers don't put out like a full signal they have to have something to increase it once you've got it into a block then you're laughing then you're just you know repeaters and redstone line and you're fine but it's it's that initial kind of like output that that needs to happen uh off the get-go but anyway so that's that's what i've been doing in in minecraft what's new with you uh i have been breeding villagers in 1.14.4 uh which using impulse sv's breeder design that he put together from logical geek boy and ray's works is uh carrot farm and villager breeding pod um so that's that's been great i haven't got too many crops out of it yet because i think i need to be uh nearby the villagers so that their ai can actually let them move around and harvest the veggies but they have been breeding they have been breeding a whole bunch and i really don't know what to do with any of the villagers yet because i want to make an area that is populated by villagers that isn't my central town so if i come through a nether portal with bad omen i don't or, or kill a pillager captain there i don't immediately start a raid um so i've been building a um an aqueduct that takes the villagers down from the villager breeder which is on top of a mountain a hundred blocks away so that it doesn't mess with the the rest of the villager stuff that's going to be in this town that i'm building there um and the aqueduct carries them down and right now it just drops them off the end of the aqueduct and because i'm not a monster into a pool of water which has now become a villager mosh pit there are so many guys in there <laughs> they're all just leaping up and down because they're in water and that's how the water physics kind of interact with them and i've positioned a couple of iron golems that were left over from me fixing my iron farm and i've just put them nearby and said you know vaguely guard these people but i really don't mind if they get hit by zombies occasionally because the breeder is just going to be making more um aside from that i spent yesterday setting up a furnace based xp farm uh so now i have some zero tick farms making bamboo and cactus buried in a mountainside that is now fueling a bunch of furnaces and um yeah basically being a an instant repair station the kind of thing that you might have seen azuma building on hermitcraft recently except on a smaller scale because i'm just one man and also i think i still need to do a bit of balancing between the amount of fuel that's getting input and the amount of items that are getting input at first the cactus was really inefficient uh because it was just falling in places where it would stack up and not drop into the water streams i swapped all the water streams out for hoppers and hopper minecarts and now i have way too much cactus going through but all of the cactus dye just gets destroyed by another cactus ironically enough um so that's going to be providing xp for me if i want to have like a quick elytra repair or tool repair around my spawn area i kind of wanted to do that um the main thing really is i'm trying my hardest not to move on to another build project yet i have sort of sworn to myself that i'm going to finish this town maybe so that i can provide a world download for people and give them something that actually feels finished but also because i do i do this a lot i i tend to get bored of a project or not necessarily bored but i tend to realize that the only thing i have left to do on a project is not going to make very good video content and so i will move to another area and just leave a bunch of my stuff unfinished and i really don't like that unfinished feeling anymore or at least you know it, it's if it's not going to be finished to my satisfaction which i don't think it ever will be at least finished to the extent that i would be happy to show people around and say like look look at all these houses instead of look at all these places where i intend to build houses but i have not yet and so I'm, I really want to move on to the next thing, which I want to build a ski village in a snow biome because nobody ever builds in snow biomes and I think we could make it look really cool. 
but I don't want to move on from my current town project without it being done. So I, I'm, I'm wrestling with that right now and trying to find other stuff that I can do around this town before we move on to do something completely different and build in a different style in a different biome with different blocks and actually kind of change up the style of things a little bit i might need a winter vacation though just just putting it out there <laughs> it's is the is the city building something that you can kind of do the design stuff for videos you know and content for videos and then the grindy no, i'd say grindy but like the the fill in the gaps like okay we know where all these houses are going to go here's a whole block or a whole street of just inconsequential it's meant to look populated stuff that you could then just build on stream and then tackle kind of and then tackle things like churches or town halls or something with more design and more importance on on a video that's kind of what i've been doing it's um you know i get maybe two or three houses done per stream now um, nice. but it's a it's a large area that i'm building and, and and some of the houses because i don't want to make it just like a bunch of square things on a grid because it's meant to be a more kind of chaotic medieval kind of town a few of the builds are a little bit more complex they're angled builds stuff i'm not necessarily used to building so it's um yeah it's a little a little difficult to get all of that stuff done and i've done a couple of the feature builds what i'm thinking of them as on videos i've done the uh the alchemists guild recently which is um kind of half built right now but it was basically a test on how you can blast proof a concrete maker machine that uses tnt to explode stuff because i was worried that anything i built around the outside was just going to get caught in this tnt explosion so i was like hey let's make walls of water around the outside of this and then build a structure around it and so i can do elements like that for time lapses in the videos but ultimately I can only tell people how to build a house so many times before they kind of go, we know, like <laughs> move on to something that feels a bit more like a new tutorial. So mm -hmm. it's difficult with it being more of a tutorial series and like having elements of a let's play series in that I waffle for 20 minutes per episode, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's still meant to be teaching people something new with each episode. And there's only so many ways I can teach people to build a house. Yeah. Have you, point. Um, have you tackled interiors at all? I've done a bit and a bit bits of interior here and there, but interiors are also one of those things that I don't want to do right now because it interrupts the flow of me building all the exteriors. Right. And and like um, the the exteriors are the most important thing. I want it to look like a town when I fly over it, as opposed to it being something that I need to sort of go in and yeah. do all the detail and stuff. Yeah, for. I, I know that feeling. Uh, the Nether Hub on on the Citadel is very much uh, the the central portal and the adjoining. I say rooms, two of the adjoining four rooms are done and feel adequate. Uh, a couple of those hallways are also finished. But then as soon as you get 50 blocks away, it's cobblestone streets you know, and wide open nether with gas shooting at you and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's it's functional, but it is by no means fashionable. And, and all the back and forth that I've had to do to like smelt stuff and collect more items and like furnaces take a lot of cobble when you're building this many of them boy do they take a lot of cobble and, yeah and so i noticed the, like that flying back and forth i started to just like turn my nose it's like i still have like nether rack walls in these tunnels and like some of it's like this is two years old now <laughs> like some of it was like i remember building this when we first started yeah so i need to uh i think it's not going to be soon because we've been spending an awful lot of time in the end and in the nether and I crave sunshine in Minecraft now. So I'm, it's not going to be right now, but uh, fixing up these flyover bits, these transitional areas that you don't necessarily spend a lot of time in, but you spend a lot of time going through, uh, I think is, uh, is important. Because I find too that, and you might find this as well, pausing to not fly and walk or... or um, 
or just finding an area that you can walk through that's attractive, it's great for video content because then you can like talk about something either related or not, but it gives a, a really interesting visual as opposed to just walking by garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I find that, uh, find that cumbersome, but Definitely. Uh, moving on to the news, uh, we thought we were going to have some slow news weeks uh, rolling into <laughs> Uh, the uh, the Minecon Live later in September. However, Minecraft has released a snapshot. Minecraft 115 snapshot 19W43A was put out last week, and Minecraft has added bees. They've bees. added bees. 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 You... GIF. Everybody <laughs> posting Nicolas yeah. Cage and Oprah gifs on Twitter. It's the best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are bees. There are bee nests and bee hives. There are honeycombs. Uh, you can get honey in jars. There has been some added dispenser functionality, which we'll touch on in just a minute. Minecraft Java Edition now requires OpenGL 2.0. New function loot tables called copy underscore state, and a number of bugs have been fixed. The full list of bugs and everything important is going to be on Minecraft.net. We will have that linked in the show notes. But the first bugs that I think are most important to note are that ghost blocks have been kicked in the butt once again. Uh, hey. This refers to MC156852. Uh, that is being fixed. And something we brought up last week, I think in response to an email, uh, MC157136, villagers restocking is not properly tracked. So get it while the getting is good, folks, because your villagers in 115 are going to be back to only restocking their trades twice a day. Absolutely. We still have no idea when 115 is going to come out. This is just the preliminary snapshot. And I'm really surprised that we're getting any kind of content before Minecon. I was expecting them to hold everything back, but apparently mm -hmm. they've released the bees a little early. <laughs> and I'm quite happy about that fact. I am too. And I think what it might indicate, and this is pure speculation, is that 115 will not be coming so long after Minecon as 114 and when uh, did. I, th I think we'll end up with, uh, hey, here's all the cool stuff coming in 115 announced at Minecon, and here's our projected launch date. You know, like it's, it's, it's going to be a lot sooner than people think, not just like we're not going to talk about it. It's going to happen when it happens. I feel like if they're releasing stuff ahead of Minecon live, then, then it may point to the fact that it's coming sooner than, than we think. Uh, I also think that they want to keep any kind of Minecraft 115 update separate from the release of Dungeons, which is coming in 2020. I don't think they want to overlap those. Yeah, that would make sense and, and prevent them from overcomplicating the messaging and just having to be like, remember, this is in this version and this is in that version. I think we're already seeing a little bit of confusion between, you know, the Minecraft Earth mobs and like, when are we going to get the you know, yellow mushrooms in the yeah. games and muddy pigs and that kind of stuff. And they're like, well, I don't know if we're actually going to do that or not. But potentially looking at this as a, you know, they're adding bees to Minecraft. They're adding all of these new mobs in Minecraft Earth. I kind of wonder if the next update is going to be a little bit more focused on nature and the natural mm. world. So we'll, we'll talk more about this in the main discussion because we have a lot of thoughts about bees. Uh, there's a couple of other things that we wanted to cover here, though, that weren't covered in the changelog um, because some people have been doing some digging and there are a couple of unused items and unused textures in the snapshot. Uh, we've got a link in the show notes to Azuma's video covering the snapshot in which he points out that people found a wax block and some crystallized honey items, which... Uh, the wax block kind of looks like you would expect it to look, I guess. It's kind of like a yellowy, um, sort of almost like glazed terracotta might do, but with more of a kind of, I guess, polished looking 
uh, vibe to it, kind of yellow and white. Um, and crystallized honey is, you know, like it, it looks like a honey that's just been poured out of a, a, a honey pot from a spoon or something like that. And they neither of them have any use yet. Uh, they are unused completely, and they're not available in the creative inventory or through any of the interactions with the new bees. But there is potentially a hint that they are going to be available to the player in future. Uh, so maybe Moyang isn't done with bees yet, which is which is pretty good news, because while obviously it's cool to have some new stuff to play around with and people have already been making bee-related farms and stuff like that in the snapshot, then it's good to know that they've potentially got more depth than that. And speaking of Minecraft dungeons, uh, you picked up a couple of really cool videos uh, about uh, gameplay. Yes, uh, so Minecraft Dungeons has been on demo at Gamescom, uh, which is happening over in, I believe, Germany or Belgium or somewhere in somewhere in mainland Europe anyway. Um, and there is a playable demo there that people can play for, I think, 20 minutes. It's like a time demo kind of thing. And in fact, somebody from the Spawn Chunks Discord has actually been over at Gamescom and got to play. So we'd love to hear uh, a few thoughts on that if you want to send us an email. But... Um, yeah, we have an IGN video and a video by a YouTuber by the name of CPK. Uh, both of those are linked in the show notes as well. And the Dungeons video has no commentary, just gameplay, uh, but is significant uh, in terms of having multiplayer action in it. I believe that the you know the IGN representative was probably just like playing through casually, and then the developer who's kind of helping people through the demo and telling them what the controls do and stuff like that just jumps in. And I feel like multiplayer absolutely 100% is going to improve the experience of this game from what I've seen because it just gets so much more fun looking when there's multiple people on screen doing stuff for me than it is just like a lone adventurer going through it hacking and slashing. Um, CPK's video is great though because he plays the same demo but with commentary so they're all playing the same level but he's going over the controls and what some of the UI does and, and kind of explaining things and mentioning some stuff that the developers told him so it's a lot better for a look at exactly how the game is going to be played rather than the IGN video, which is just, yeah, it has no commentary, it's just gameplay. So that one's good for an overall sort of vibe of how the game is going to look, but CPK is talking about how it's actually played and what each of the buttons does and that kind of stuff. So that's that's super cool, and I, I really like the look of it. <laughs> yeah, me too. It looks like a ton of fun. Mm. Uh, it's It's got this cool kind of like, atmospheric vibe like you feel like you're in a tomb but then it's also really cartoony and like the the coins and the emeralds that you're collecting they glow and they spin like it has like this kind of mesh between like a nintendo mario experience and a diablo experience right? it's, like it's it, very diablo yeah yeah, yeah. like it, i mean well i mean it, it, definitely diablo, diablo in the way that it's a dungeon crawler but i feel like they've just they've nailed that cartoony but still impactful vibe like for me the thing that stood out was the sound design because it's just so much more robust than the sounds that you get in minecraft currently and yeah. the sounds are a little cartoony but visceral and like rock'em sock'em like fast-paced like uh they're playing with i think it's like a a two-handed sword so it's like a paladin type type yeah. weapon and when they swing, like, not the the average hit, but, like, the big swing, the big power-up swing, like, it's got some weight behind it. And the mm -hmm. mobs go flying, and uh, and because of the, the, the animation on the mobs, when they die, they don't just fall over like a like a stick. They actually, their limbs flail, and they kind of land funny, and so yeah, they, and they those... land on the ground, and they twist in different places. And... 
There's a great bit in CPK's video where he shoots a, an arrow at a husk and he points out that the husk actually gets stuck to the wall by yeah. it. Like he's, de <laughs> he's dealt the, the killing blow to this thing and it just kind of gets hung there for a bit until it eventually, you know, evaporates. They, they and, kind of sink into the ground, yeah. Yeah, the, the thing that I'm finding most um, noticeable about the sound design, though, is that the mob sounds are all the mob sounds that we're used to in Minecraft. Like when, when you're hearing like a spider kind of screeching and doing that kind of horrible little hissing sound mm -hmm. that they make, it is just the noise lifted straight out of Minecraft, which obviously creates that familiarity. But I feel like the other sound design is so like layered and, and sort of practiced and I, I don't want to say professional sounding, but considering that the original sounds were probably all done by Notch back in the day, I think it feels... Sorry, there's a motorbike going past. If it feels like those sounds almost seem out of place. They're definitely going to be familiar to people, but there is more like care and attention and refinement put into some of the um, the newer sounds, the stuff that they've actually had to produce originally for dungeons than there is for the sound of a skeleton's bones clanking, which is just like the way you'd hear it in the core Minecraft game. And I would be okay if they brought some of that stuff back over to Minecraft because that's the kind of thing that I would imagine could be translated fairly easily. I don't want to speak at a turn, but graphics and designs and mobs, those are hard things to add to Minecraft. But changing a sound yeah. to something that's a better sound, a newly recorded sound, something that has more layer and depth, I feel should be easier than than graphic updates a really good example is the new sounds for um crop planting and netherwort yes. farming they're great they're so good they're, they're so really good. really good yeah. I, I don't i, I, I don't like miss them. the old ones i like them so much better than the grass breaking noise that they were using uh, every time it, yes it, it's it's so much more pleasant sounding to agree that kind of soothing noise where you, it, it's a repetitive action as well it's something you're going to be doing quite a lot of so it makes sense to have it be slightly more pleasing to the ear and yeah, I, I really think that they they could go in and sort of remaster the sound a little bit. And I don't want to, mm. you know, tell them how to do anything, of course, because no. they've got like a full sound team and the sound team has been killing it lately. Some of the stuff that they've been doing for like, we've talked about how we like the noises that the drowned and the pillagers make that kind of like, yep. whenever you hit a pillager and it goes, blah, like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's still super cool. But yeah, yeah I, I wonder if maybe some of that stuff could be remastered and, and retouched without losing what it currently has, that kind of like, mm -hmm. that the, the the, the the iconic Minecraft sounds, I guess, because some of that stuff has has changed over the years anyway. So maybe yeah. it could happen. But and, and anyway. some of the some of the mobs and some of the bosses, they look like uh, evokers on steroids. Like the just yeah. the, uh, the necromancers that can like raise the dead, and they have like an area of effect, like blue fire attack. And oh man, there is a lot going on on screen. It's almost a sensory overload. Like I watched both of these videos uh, pre-show. Uh, and then something happened. I don't know whether, whether you messaged me or I had to do something with the show notes. So I paused the video and I was immediately made aware of how silent <laughs> my room was. Yeah. After spending like 10 minutes watching this hack and slash firework arrow like mayhem happen on screen. Uh, it looks really fun. Like they're appealing to a broad gamer base. I think it's 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 something that I, I'm really looking forward to 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 giving a try when it comes out um yeah there were a few things that i noticed in, the, in some of the gameplay that hopefully will get tightened up uh i noticed that when items are dropped you really kind of have to walk over them you just you don't yeah. just go near them and they kind of like magnet to you it's you really kind of have to walk over all of them there's a lot of times where the the player character is like spinning in little circles trying to collect everything and 
in a 10 minute video, I was like, even watching this is getting old. So I would imagine playing it would be a little bit trickier if you if you really have to do that all the time. That could be that could be a little bit cumbersome. When you made the comment about the multiplayer uh, happening and and that kind of stuff uh, evolving, did you notice if the bad guys got more numer like got were there if there was if, more if it, mobs? Like, scales? Yeah. yeah. Do you notice um, if it scaled? I didn't notice. I uh, it probably happens very organically if it happens at all. So right. I can't I can't say I really noticed the enemies just like multiplying or spawning yeah. more. Um, but it could be happening subtly in the background. It could be that maybe you have to, you know, if you're calling in a friend because things are a little bit difficult, it gives you a bit of a grace period of like, okay, your friend is here to like help you hack through the rest of these because you're like, they're, they're overwhelming you or whatever. It doesn't want to immediately spawn a whole bunch more because then it just makes right. the problem worse. So yeah. it might it might be that they have a little bit of kind of scalable difficulty going on depending on how one player is doing over the other. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's 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 looking good. I think Dungeons is going to have a lot more depth than I was expecting at first. Um, the action still seems like it's going to suit casual players as well, but the sheer amount of items and stuff, and there's stats for different things, and there's levels, and it, it seems like there's a lot more depth going on there that that is exciting to me because one one thing I really didn't want it to be is like a shallow kind of one and done experience. I like there to be a whole variety of stuff you can do in there. So hopefully we'll see a bit more of that coming soon. And with the with the content being dungeons or like these kind of like maps and missions, uh, DLC becomes a real possibility. So oh like yeah, if easily it is, expandable. It, yeah, easy, easily expandable, new items, like uh, new levels, all that kind of stuff. Worth noting too, if you're watching this and you're kind of like, well, this is this looks really kind of like this player's owning face. Take a close look. They're at like level 27. And, yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they've got some pretty some pretty awesome gear. I think the idea was that they didn't want people playing the demo to struggle. Like they wanted mm -hmm. to kind of like have, have the gameplay feel there, but not necessarily like the day one difficulty, um, which I think is is worth noting. Because I was at first was like, that boss fight did not seem like it was really all that great but then i was like well okay wait a minute <laughs> this guy this guy is walking around with like a ton of of gear and stuff on so if if you were playing day one then that might not been, have been so easy something i really liked about the enderman is that they've kept the straight arm straight leg animation but they've added more attacks and i don't know what the dance moves is that people like they keep their arms straight and they kind of shift them in front of and behind their body um but it, <laughs> the Endermen essentially do that with one arm when they hit you. It's like a straight arm uppercut, but it's yeah, almost yeah. it's almost like a slap. It's, they, it's almost they, like they, they, they attack really like the, the way the Iron Golems do the, with the kind of two-handed swing upwards sometimes. Yeah, they, there's, they a, there's, seem, there's an overhand swing, but there's a one-hand like sweep attack. <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. looks like it's kind of like a slap. And it just, mm -hmm. it looks, it looks so like, get out of here, like be yeah. gone. And I, yeah. I found that very, very funny. There's a lot of little touches like that. Um, I felt that the player animations were a little bit stiff. Uh, you have all of these heavy armor pieces and, and, and swords and stuff on you. And when you're running, the only thing moving is your legs. Your upper yeah. body doesn't jostle at all. And I found that it felt very like mobile, like mobile game simple. And I kind of wanted a little bit more weight. Like whenever you're taking a step, I kind of wanted more, more oomph um, because it makes you feel more powerful. Like it makes you feel like you, you've, you have more presence in the world. It felt a little bit floaty, but again, you know, like th this may not be 100% finished. It's just, you know, playable demos, stuff like that. All that kind of stuff could be, those are the kind of things that you fine tune at the end, not necessarily things that you, you lead with. I'm sure there are a ton of balancing issues with this game that they're probably yeah. working on. 
but for, but for all of that, it still looks like a pretty refined experience already, just judging from the visual style of everything. The environments oh, yeah. are gorgeous. Oh. Just seeing a, a bit more of one environment instead of an overview of several different environments was really great. Kind mm-hmm. of like the, the amount of detail they put into this stuff. And some of it is stuff that like makes me jealous that we don't have it in Minecraft, which was always going to be the case. Yes. But like, yeah, just, just seeing all of the, the bushes and stuff, the different like plant life they have in there to make it look like a deserty kind of environment. Um, there's like rocks and stuff that make up this tomb that just don't look like any blocks that we already have mm. without a significant retexture, I guess. But uh, yeah, no, it, it looks like it's going to be a ton of fun and available on a whole bunch of platforms as well. So basically everybody will be able to get their hands on this when it comes out. And uh, I hope they are going to have an open beta for it at some point still. I think they said they were going to release a beta, but I might be confusing that with Minecraft Earth. I don't know for certain. They've been quieter about that, I think, than they have about about Minecraft Earth lately because that was kind of the the new thing mm-hmm. and probably something that it's easier to get out to YouTube people uh, for, for Minecraft Earth to be demoed by, you know, people walking around in the street rather than it having to be a closed system like the uh, the, the Dungeons game is. Yeah, if uh, if Moyang wants to send the spawn chunks <laughs> beta <laughs> access, uh, we, we will be glad, glad to test it out. Um, one question before we move on. Are you thinking mouse click to move or controller for playing dungeons personally i would go with controller i don't think the the ui doesn't look as like loaded up as something like an mmo where you've got to have a bunch of stuff assigned to number keys or even like regular minecraft is with number keys being on the hotbar slots and stuff i think it is going to be a matter of you've got three different items which are assigned to three different controller buttons and I think it'll be possible to have a keyboard and mouse control scheme for people who prefer stuff like that. But when it comes back to games like that, um, I played a few sort of hack and slash type things um, like Bastion and Transistor, both of which by Supergiant Games, really great games, very much controller games for me. If it feels like action-oriented, arcade kind of gameplay, I need to have a controller for that kind of stuff, typically. Interesting. I'm probably going to go, or at least start, <clears throat> pardon me, with mouse because that's how I played Diablo. Yeah. And, yeah. And if, it, if it's something that you're more used to as a genre, then yeah, I yeah. expect it's... And it de- it depends on how the aiming works. And I mean, if it's, if it's a point your character in this particular direction, then it might be better with a controller. Whereas if it's um, click on the enemy and the character will attack that enemy, then that might be better for most like i mean and that might change based on what your control scheme is i really don't know um yeah yeah so that's that's kind of where it is because i remember um in one of the videos they were talking about the bow and arrow like if you don't aim the bow and arrow in the right direction it will miss the mob uh and in diablo it was the same way with the sorceress i think you would basically hit the cast button and it would give you like an icon like you know your thing is going to go in this direction and then you would have to drag it over the, the area that you wanted to go in and, and, and then your your sorcerer would just like destroy a bunch of stuff and so that if that's how it works then it should be fine but if if not then it might be it might be better for a controller but um i i'd be open to trying both but i, I would probably because i don't have a controller for my pc um i would i'm more than likely to just stick with the mouse at first and then try the controller later 
Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's something to, to test out, I suppose. Um, one final thing before we move on from the news and really get stuck into talking about bees, I had an and finally kind of thing. You know where, like, at the news, they'll always have that, like, one thing that they send you away with, the sort of, and finally, here's a dog that's been skateboarding around this neighborhood causing <laughs> chaos, you know? Um, I have one of those, and that is um, that Quinn Richter, who is the head of the Minecraft partner program, uh, he's Quinn Richter on Twitter, um actually threw the opening pitch of Sunday's Seattle Mariners baseball game in a Minecraft zombie costume. And I mean like a full, like, enormous, square, boxy, really well-built-looking zombie costume. And with the square arms and everything, and so he threw the ball with like an air cannon. <laughs> like a like at a like at a batting cage or something like that and uh, this link will uh, be in the show notes for this it's super cool there's like a few different shots of him with the mascot for the mariners and seattle obviously being where the like the um microsoft campus is based um and this guy is the guy who the the partner program is the the stuff that um it's basically like liaising with all of the marketplace creators people who make texture packs and and maps for bedrock edition and that kind of stuff and and presumably have some contact with the uh the java team as well but um yeah they're all based up in in washington state and so yeah being at the the mariners game and seeing seeing this guy <laughs> dressed as a minecraft zombie must have been pretty fun for any of the kids who were there and i imagine the, a bunch of them probably interested in minecraft and seeing a zombie throw the uh throw the ceremonial first pitch is is really quite funny yeah, that I saw the footage there. It, that it was funny. It was looked hilarious. It just it's 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 funny how it becomes very apparent how things move with no knees. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Just like stiff legs walking out there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, super fun. Well, moving into the round table discussion, uh we've got a couple of topics this week. Uh, obviously, we're going to kick it off with uh to be or not to be. Uh, oh, I decided I decided to grab this one this week because uh I actually had quite a few thoughts uh when the bees first came out. Um I I want to quickly also squash a lot of comments that I've seen. I made one snarkily to Pixel Riffs in a DM uh talking about like bees, the one thing that no one asked for. Um, I think it's very important to note that this is a very early snapshot and that things added to the game are good. <laughs> it doesn't matter yes. if it's not what you want. The 115 is not the B update. Yes. <laughs> this is not, yeah. this is not the be all end all. There may Im be a lot imagine more. Imagine them, imagine them like releasing this and then everyone scrambling and being like, wait, what are we going to tell them at Minecon now they know about bees? <laughs> like, no, there's, there's clearly going to be so much more so stuff. So much more. Uh, I would argue that bees are probably just the first thing to get done to a point where they can share it with people. And that's why they've led with bees. And that, that yeah. would be it. I'm sure there's a lot more coming. Uh, so I want to I want to caution everyone to be thoughtful <laughs> when yes. commenting about, about bees. Uh, but uh, I'm going to start with pros. Uh, first of which is that they look like tiny buses. And I use the word <laughs> tiny, relatively speaking, because in Minecraft, <laughs> in a one meter wide block, these bees are roughly a foot, <laughs> a foot long. Yeah, they're like pretty they're, big. Yeah, we heard one go by Pixelris Studio just a few minutes ago. Uh, it's <laughs> like this, they just, they are perfect for Minecraft. Like I, when I thought they've added bees, my my initial worry was like, oh man, I really hope it's not like a block of swarming pixels. Like I don't yeah, want like it a to little look particle like effect. Re yeah, I didn't want it to be a particle effect. And no sooner did I say that, you sent me a DM with a photo of one of them. I was like, okay, <laughs> yep, yeah, that that's and, exactly and the, what I the, expected it to look like. And the caption one point fifteen, the Wicker Man update. 
Yes. Yeah. And now, thankfully, uh, they're not wall-eyed like sheep. I find sheep yeah. very derpy. And these are much cuter. Uh, they have little blue eyes, which I think is cool. There's also, there's something about, I think the blue eyes are like a little, I don't know if it's intentional, but it's a nod to Bumblebee, the Transformer. He's got blue eyes. Um, it could be. It could. Yeah, be. which I thought was really cool. But I love the textures. I love the way that they look. So I'm not going to, you know, spend too much time on that. Uh, they're very Minecrafty. They fit very, very well. They don't feel like a stretch at all. Um, I yeah. think they're a great ambient mob. I think they add a lot of atmosphere, both visually and acoustically. Uh, from an education standpoint, I think it's really useful and important. And you know, to have bees in a healthy ecosystem and the game and the game mechanics and how bees are treated and how treating bees affect climate change in the real world. Like it's, it's really synchronized. Like it, it makes your crops grow better. It's, you know, if you mess with the bees, they get angry. Like there's all these different things. If you, uh, if you get stung by a bee, it dies and it's very sad and it doesn't drop anything in the game. So like, there's all these different things that kind of point to like use bees, don't fight bees. Yeah. Uh, which I think is really, really cool. Uh, I've already mentioned how cute they are. Um, something that I noticed too, that a beehive while serving the same function as a nest uh, could easily be used for shelving and filing cabinets and builds. Yes, like it, it's, no, the design the, of them is really cool. One of the first things I did was like stick it on a shelf, like a dark oak trapdoor kind of shelf. And there's like, this looks exactly like one of those storage boxes you get in those kind of like modular yep. storage shelf systems, the kind of thing that you get at Ikea. You know, it's like a little basket that goes in a bookshelf. Perfect. And yeah, yeah I love the fact that they've got a, a design that can be used in such a diverse way. That interpretive texture is so key to how a lot of people build detail into stuff in Minecraft. And while the bee nest itself, I'm always going to say beehive instead of bee nest because I, I, I just yep. automatically call them that. But, you know, the bee nest is um, obviously very much what it is. Like, you can't really disguise the fact that that's clearly a bee nest. But the, the hive box itself is is a very versatile texture as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, the top of it also works really cool for, like, an alternate flooring texture. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which I thought was cool. Uh, and the, I, I liked the, I giggled when the eyes turn red, when the bees get mad, that they, they <laughs> yeah. had the, the red eyes the, from the wolf. The killer like, bees. Yeah, it, that, very, very clever. I, I thought it was was really, really cool. Uh, now, to present some of the things that uh, I think are maybe missing, I don't want to say bad, um, because of course, I mean, this is all surface level speculation. We don't know what the full release is going to look like. The bees are probably going to change a, a lot. Uh, over the next little while. I'm sure B, like the AI pathing and all that kind of stuff is, is going to change over time. However, I did find that honey just giving you sugar seems like a really missed opportunity. It felt like, wow, these are really cool and they're not useful at all. And, mm -hmm. and, and there is function to them and it's cool in terms of like how bees get honey, how you get honey from the hive, how you can use dispensers now with the bottles. And like, there's all these cool things. And then right up to the very end, and the only thing that honey gives you is sugar, which you can get faster and earlier in another way. So the end game here is not that interesting to me. So what I thought was uh, a little while ago, there was a, a, a custom snapshot, I think. I know Mumbo played around with it in one of his videos about colored slime blocks. And yeah, like some, someone had made a data pack. I think Seth Bling may even yes, have made a data pack. Using that's what it, it was. Yeah. So for me, I was like, what if honey could be made into honey blocks that were sticky, like a slime block? 
or maybe with different properties. Maybe they stick to different things, you know? Uh, what if honeycombs could be made into sticky slabs? We've heard from the technical community that, <clears throat> excuse, excuse me, that the, that sticky slabs would be very, very useful. This would be a creative and colorful way to do that. They would be yellow instead of green, you know, easily discern in a build, uh, have different functionality, not easy to get because it takes a long time for bees to collect pollen and turn it into honey. You have to get the bee hive or bee nest to level five before you get one bottle. So you'd have to do that nine times, you know, to get, um, to get a honeycomb. No, no, you'd have to do that once to get one honeycomb and then you'd have to get three honeycombs. And then you, I'm not sure how many honeycombs you'd need to make a sticky, you know, a sticky slab, a honeycomb slab. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of spitballing, but they're all, yeah. there just seems to be, other uses. Now we don't know with the wax texture that was found and the crystallized honey. Crystallized honey looks more like an item. It looks like something you might put in like a potion brew uh, or might be an ingredient for something else. Yeah. Um, but honey itself, what if you could place honey like you put down redstone? We've all seen Winnie the Pooh. Uh, he, <laughs> Just he, a trail he, of honey. He uses honey to fix stuff. Like why not make honey a sticky surface like you could make fly traps in minecraft by putting honey on the ground honey on the side of things maybe it slows mobs down maybe it sticks mobs to the ground at some point the the implications for like mob traps and and fun kind of like game mechanics could be really really cool yeah uh, my, my counter argument to that would be that we already have stuff like that in the form of soul sand and cobwebs and i think they're probably trying not to add too many redundant features so I like the idea, and I think it's a creative use of something that really doesn't have a great deal of use right now. And, yeah. you know, to, to counter my counter argument, it's a redundant feature in the fact that it only gives you sugar. Exactly, but, right? Yeah, I, I feel like there should be some other use for honey. Like you say, that some, some kind of functionality that it could be given. Um, my thought initially was maybe you could have something akin to the way bees work in real life because they're clearly quite keen on, you know, committing to that. If not visually, then at least in terms of their behavior having different flowers which they already interact with a whole bunch of flowers change the effect or the or whatever like type of the honey um tr oh. change some pro some property of the honey because you have like orange blossom honey and acacia honey and just wild honey with no kind of floral input and it changes the taste and i thought initially that that could sort of be like suspicious stew and that honey from specific flowers could end up giving you a potion effect but would be a different way of doing that beyond like feeding a, a brown mushroom a thing because brown mushrooms are quite difficult to access because they're so rare um but then again that would just be providing another suspicious stew which is already a feature a lot of players have said doesn't really suit their style of gameplay and is not really that useful so I don't yeah. really think adding another thing that gives you a small amount of potion effects would really be that good. But I kind of, I want them to go in that direction with the honey and have something that will surprise us in the way that you can have the bees interact with flowers. That sort of makes sense to me and would be quite clever. Adding crystallized honey to suspicious stew to lengthen the potion effect, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe. Because like, well, that seems to be what people complain about, right? Like two seconds or three seconds of this effect is not really worth the trouble. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, if you can do it with potions, then that would be really cool. I mean, there's there's obviously some open-ended possibilities, so I'm, cu I'm curious to see where they go. Um, there was one other thing that I wanted to mention about... Oh, yeah. Um, the wax block. Uh, this was not me. I don't remember who it was in our Discord, but it was one of the clever people in our Spawn Chunks Discord mentioned uh, candles. 
combining string and wax to make uh, a new light source in the game that could yeah. potentially operate similar to a sea pickle, but on dry land. So place one, two, three, or four candles, and you get you know different various uh, different levels of light output, which I that thought would be, would be brilliant. very good, very Ex good for medieval builds. Yeah. yeah, and then and then creates a very cool use for the bees that's not just giving you sugar right mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah. I, like that, i thought that was really interesting so we don't know yet what we're gonna what we're gonna see i noticed uh we linked and we will have the link to uh exumavoid's video in the show notes but there was another video that i saw i don't remember who it was but when they arranged the wax block that they found so, oh there's this texture check it out it wasn't in just a short stack they actually did like a solid like nine or twelve by you know a, a six by six wall of it and it really does look like waxy walls like if you took yeah. a cartoon from the 80s and you were inside of a beehive this texture is what that cartoon portrayed as the inside of a beehive uh -huh, and yeah and and so it could have some really interesting qualities i'm not sure what you could use it for but it just it has that weird kind of like alien drippy look to it and it could it could be really fun i'm not exactly sure what context you could use it in but it could it could be i'm thinking about like you know maybe something that's overflowing like something that's got a build that's a big vat that's got stuff dripping down the side it just anyway it has the same sort of like gooey texture that um netherrack does but it's not as gross <laughs> so so i'm yeah. just i'm curious about what that where that might go but my my initial thought with the wax was like ooh, candles that would be really 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 cool too yeah, yeah, it'd definitely be a, an interesting way to take it for sure and encourage people to make productive use of the bees and that gives them the reward of a sort of more decorative item but also a functional item with it being a light source. Mm. I mean, there's a few other things but they get into like nitpicky territory. So um, I want to kind of steer this this kind of debate into something you mentioned a little bit earlier and that is we've got the bee but what does that potentially say about what's coming in 115? Potentially with more passive mobs. And you and I have spoken on the podcast before about things like birds and butterflies and, uh, you know, unique kind of mobs. I sort of feel like it's going in that direction and I don't know why. I don't know whether it's just what people are saying online that's influencing my thought process or whatever, but I do sort of feel like adding the B opens things up to other, specifically other flying mobs. And yeah. I really, now that I've seen a bee and how, how Mo Yang has handled it, I really want them to do a bird. Like a, imagine a little blue bird, you know, they've done parrots, but like imagine a little chubby, like blue bird flying around or a sparrow mm -hmm. or something like that. That would be really, really cool. And I think that they could potentially do that. I don't know what use they would have. That's the yeah. one. That's where I'm stuck. Like, I don't, I'm not sure what you get from a sparrow. Um, yeah. I, th I think that that might be their stumbling block here they're kind mm -hmm. of res responding to criticisms that say parrots aren't really all that useful they don't do all that much there were a couple of updates where like parrots and polar bears got added and they were like not really all that you know they they, they didn't really feel like additive in terms of gameplay mechanics or anything like yeah. that um and i think they might be steering away from that and i think that's what they've really like they've settled on bees and bees are great because they are still they're an animal that we have domesticated in real life kind of um which weren't already similar to an existing minecraft mob like you know if, if you wanted to add say goats because people domesticate goats sure what makes goats different to sheep though you know whereas right. bees there's just nothing really like them in terms of the 
they've got that swarm mentality that sure that works with like zombie pigmen and wolves and that kind of thing and they've got elements of stuff that already fits with existing minecraft mechanics but they are a like you said a very unique type of mob something that's flying i really like the way they move when they fly as well the flying ai that they've done for them is sort of a middle ground between um something like bats which is just purely chaotic mm-hmm. and then something like phantoms where their movements feel very controlled and predictable and slow and they've got this natural kind of flutter to them which just works out really well for me so i think they've really knocked it out of the park with bees mm-hmm. um the, the only real criticism i've seen from the community is that people think they're too big and i'm like have you seen the size of spiders <laughs> they've got a <laughs> Got a, you know, you're worried about bees when you've got a spider that's two meters long and is attacking you. Like, shut up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. Like, yeah. And, and like, how are you supposed to hit these bees with a sword? Not that you're really supposed to ultimately. No, but, no, um, no. But, but yeah, like, they, I, I, do, I do think that people are losing perspective quite literally yeah. if, they're, if they're worried about the size of the bees compared to the size of like silverfish and endomites, yeah. for silverfish example. Silverfish are right? a foot and a half long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's nuts. I don't want to, if I see one of those in my house, I'm moving to a different country. Yeah. But um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But I but I I think there could be something leading towards more passive mobs. Like we said earlier, it could be potentially an update that focuses more on nature. I immediately tweeted on the day, what if bees meant bears? You said you mentioned Winnie the Pooh earlier as well. I'm like, ah. what if we end up getting bears that maybe go after the bee nests looking for that honey? Mm. Um, and and while again, bears might not necessarily present such a an, a useful thing for the player. We've already got pandas. We've already got polar bears. People have been asking for like grizzlies and stuff for a while, or maybe brown bears, something a little bit smaller. Foxes don't and, do much for the player either yeah exactly so th- there is a chance for them to add stuff like that you know wandering around in the occasional forest maybe presenting a little bit of a challenge if they're kind of hostile but then you've got to make sure that that doesn't impact early gameplay with people immediately going to a forest for trees and getting mauled by a bear <laughs> so um yeah i i feel like passive mobs could potentially be a little bit more of a direction here i'm not sure really what else i would add that doesn't that didn't provide some kind of potion effect i mean you potentially have stuff like frogs providing potion effects um like yeah i i, I don't know <laughs> it gets yeah, into all dangerous the, all territory the, all point. the all the small ambient mobs that would be akin to what we're experiencing visually with the bees they don't really add much to the game unless yeah. they are completely made up like a yeah. flying like a flying turnip you know like just it's a it's a, it's a vegetable that has a helicopter leaf top and just you know like yes. i would be down for that like bring it on like if if you are stuck with why you can't add a bird make something up because make make a flying turnip make a yeah, fire elephant you yeah know, make be, a... <laughs> yeah because the, i mean the, i don't particularly think the phantom ai is very good but they the ambience that they add with the shriek and and the fact that they hit like a truck you know if you're if you're not wearing a chest plate like they add a lot to the game adding that flying mob that's completely made up not not an existing you know uh animal really kind of it felt very minecraft but it it also just creates this new thing and to have something that's minecrafty even though i know that we've kind of established in the past on the show that the trend seems to be the made-up imaginary mobs are the aggressive ones yeah and then all the passive ones are like existing animals um i would be okay with them adding a a passive you know a passive uh, flying mob you know that that would be as cute as a bee and potentially useful like maybe you could plant it maybe you could breed it maybe it has other 
capabilities. I really don't know. Maybe it drops a new item. I, there's all kinds of different stuff that you could do. But um, in that light, you could also add something that would be the size of a bee that could be an aggressive mob. You know, like maybe it's not a flying turnip from a, a Gimbly, a, a Gibby. What's it? Studio Ghibli? Ghibli. Ghibli, um, yeah. I can't believe I screwed that up. Um, but like not something that looks like it's from a Studio Ghibli movie, but something that looks a little bit more aggressive, you know, and might be become a problem. You know, like uh, imagine if Endermites had wings, you know, like that kind of that kind of stuff uh, would <laughs> the be. Sec- you know. The second stage evolution of Endermites. I feel like yeah. we already have stuff like Vexes, but you see them so rarely outside of raids and wooden yeah. mansions. Yeah. And that, I mean, that could be weren't... a thing, you know, like a, 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 if, a, if an Endermite is, is left not if you don't deal with it right away maybe it cocoons and, and turns into something else i don't know oh gosh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that could that could have some depth to it for sure yeah. uh one more thing before we move on from bees uh cory cheviak uh, who is one of the devs uh kojo max um tweeted after the bees were released and pointing out that every tweet he had posted for the last six weeks had intentionally been started with the letter b and that every time they mentioned a changelog recently, um, like a fix for 114.4, for example, he's responded with some variation on talking about bugs. He's been like, bugs? There are bugs? <laughs> and and he's been dropping, you know, very, very subtle hints. In terms of hints, he's playing chess. Yeah. And the rest of us are playing chess. <laughs> yeah, you know, like it's, it's like he, yeah. he's, he's, he's on a slightly different level, but of course he couldn't give too much away. It's just one of those yeah. things that like, you know, after the fact is you, you look back and you go, oh, so that's what you were doing. Kind of like, the, you know, the when you when you find out the twist and then you go back and watch the movie and everything looks different is, yeah. is how he's how he's playing it, which is cool. And I, um, I imagine he's been one of the people who's been primarily responsible for bees and well done, Corey, you've nailed it is what I want to say. You gave us brown mushrooms and now you give us bees. I think you're doing well. Yeah, I would agree. Thank you for the fantastic discussion on bees and and passive flying mobs uh, in the game. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I th- I think that bees are very well done. I'm looking forward to to having them in the game. Uh, what is your topic this week? Uh, I wanted to keep this relatively short, but I was wondering, considering we're moving forward into 115 snapshots at this point, and there's a lot of debate about features that should be added and things that we have room for growth in, I was wondering if there's anything that really feels done about Minecraft. Because, yeah, we talk about this and, and, and things being fixed all the time and, and remedial things being done to the game, but I wonder if there are any features, large or small, that we can think of as complete and rely upon to remain the same forever? Or alternatively, is that kind of the point? Do we play this game not only because it has virtually endless worlds and boundless creativity, but also it has a near infinite capacity for things to change, and is the change part of the the exciting side of things? Um, this is a bit of a weird philosophical thing to jump to from a very concrete, like, we have this feature now, let's talk about it. But here's some stuff that I don't think is ever really gonna change. For a start, uh, crafting. We've got a 2x2 two two interface with a player. We've got a 3x3 three three for a crafting table. I don't see them really adding much else in the way of, like, changes to the crafting table. We've had new features like the recipe book, which add to the crafting experience without fundamentally changing it. The thing that I think can change about crafting is where items are crafted, like the loom being required to decorate banners. But there is stuff about Minecraft that I feel like is iconic now that really can't be changed all that much. And I think crafting is one of those elements. Would you agree with that? Do you ever see crafting kind of going in a a completely different direction or splitting out even more than it already is? No, I think the core of it is is definitely definitely staying and works. Like it it absolutely works. I had to craft a lot of stuff uh, over the weekend with those furnaces uh, working on that fortress farm. That crafting book is a game changer. 
game mm-hmm. changer when you have to do stuff like that fast on the fly while talking pistons to it's, yeah. it's revolutionized the way i make pistons observers all absolutely of that stuff. yeah um, i didn't even know the recipe for a blast furnace i had to look it up but i yeah. i looked it up in game i looked it up without going to the wiki like that to me was super important but that's additive that didn't change the way that it that you could craft it if you knew what you wanted and you knew how to craft it i still craft stairs the old-fashioned way i don't like cl- look for stairs you know yeah uh in the crafting in the um the recipe book so yeah i would i would agree i think crafting is definitely the sticking the way it is i would not put it past them to add more crafting blocks i'm not necessarily going to say that they're going to be profession blocks but i could see other other blocks like the loom or other things kind of coming into the game down the line but that's just pure speculation yeah the next couple are going to be a little bit more controversial i'm just going to throw out a couple of examples of things that i feel like maybe going along the same lines of it being more iconic that they can't really change it now even if they wanted to and i think ores is one of these things or at least the materials that we currently use to make tools and armor iron gold leather and diamond and i guess chainmail if you want to count chainmail um, players often suggest adding new ores to the game, and it always feels like a bit of a, a no-brainer to some people, especially when so many mods are out there having, like, copper and tin and stuff, and all of that is used for various things within the mod, whether it be copper wiring in, like, an industrial craft-style thing, or if it's just there to provide an extra tier of armor either between iron and diamond or even more powerful than diamond. I feel like the current system for vanilla Minecraft is so... I'm not going to say balanced because it heavily favors diamond, um, but is is kind of so ingrained in the gameplay loop that even if they wanted to, they couldn't really change the status quo. Adding something that was like a higher tier than diamond would be really, really strange at this point. And I think while some mods and stuff add more powerful enemies so that you need something that's more powerful than diamond i really feel like the vanilla game is now balanced around the armor more so than the armor is balanced around the mobs so i really don't see them adding more ores in the context of having them be used to make more tools those sort of feel like they are too much part of the experience and i actually watched a video by a guy called white light uh who made a video called a serious critique of minecraft Uh, a little while ago and I think I mentioned this on the show before maybe in the pre-show or something if not in the actual main show but one of the few points that I thought he made really well uh, because some of his stuff was I don't know a little bit missing the mark for a player like like me somebody who plays Minecraft a whole bunch and gets into the mechanics and stuff one of the things he said was that they really can't add ores now because like the rarity of diamonds would be compromised and the the fact that finding a diamond in minecraft is still such a special experience and it's enticing for people and they can't be farmed in any way so it's super rare and yet they are still required for some of the most powerful weapons and armor and stuff in the game it kind of hamstrings them a little bit in terms of adding more materials that could be used to make that kind of stuff but it's also so integral to the minecraft experience the the iconography is there already and people don't want it to change as much as they think they do. Oh, how, do you, how do you feel about that? I will argue blue in the face on this one. Uh, yeah. I think a really good example to draw a comparison would be Ender Pearls and Elytra. People thought Ender Pearls were the best, and then Elytra came out, and everybody's like, nope, <laughs> I'm good with these. Ender Pearls are still useful. I still carry them. I still use them all the time. But Elytra one upped 
the ender pearl as a way of getting around. And I feel like if they did decide, I'm going to throw out something like ruby armor just for fun to have a different color to talk about. If they decided to add rubies that could be made into ruby armor into the game, and then all of a sudden everybody was focused on walking around, around in bright red armor, uh, it would. I think it would just fold itself into the world because I don't find diamonds exciting. I've had more diamonds than I know what to do with forever. I don't mine them. I find them by chance and I put them away and I, I, I just don't use them because I have enough mending gear and I have enough stuff that I just, I've not dug into utilizing the diamonds. So I don't find them exciting. I don't find that experience exciting, but I think that the focus on ores and uh, armor tends to come from the PVP crowd. Whereas what I see with the terms of stuff in between say iron and diamonds and stuff like that would not be so much for armor. Well, sure. It could be, could add some aesthetics and stuff. Uh, it could also add to some crafting. Like what would it be? Would it not be cooler to have diamond armor with like an iron trim or, or a copper color? Like just, yeah, doing, I'm, I'm also like, like combining stuff like that for aesthetic yeah. purposes. Definitely. But what I, when I think about iron and copper and stuff like that, what I would want to have in the game is uh, metal blocks. So I'm thinking, you know, with blast furnaces being essentially useless <laughs> because they, yeah. you know, in terms of what they do, if they added more ores that could then utilize the blast furnace and then craft more blocks with more textures, giving players that want to build modern cities and stuff like that, something that a lot of buildings have, which is metal that they don't have in the game right now, outside of iron blocks, which don't really work with the texture that they have, um, could be very, very cool. Uh, I think that could add just a lot to the game in terms of color, in terms of textures, in terms of, you know, new building blocks and a new feel overall. You could finally encourage a lot more builds that are not medieval. Like I just find that so much of Minecraft is is the cobblestone logs and, and medieval builds, which is fine. I like my fantasy stuff as much as the next person. Uh, but I'm wondering if new ores could open the door for new blocks not necessarily just new weapons because like you said uh everybody is so honed in on diamond and diamonds are something that if you know what you're doing you can get them day one right like yeah. it, it does not take very long uh to to get them and and to me in terms of a player progression i feel like you're right ores would be a waste of time i do however from a creative standpoint think that ores from a new block perspective a new material perspective could be very very interesting i'll definitely take the creative argument there for sure because yeah new blocks and stuff that's that's adding to the existing palette of stuff we already have and enhancing it in a way by its presence whereas i feel like the elytra enderpearl example is a little bit different because they are used for different things they're both for transport but elytra is long distance and enderpearls a short distance mm -hmm. and you don't really have like maybe if the ability to swap armor around was made slightly faster somehow i'm not quite sure how but maybe if you had like you had armor in your hand and you're already wearing armor but then if you right click the armor in your hand you can just swap them over quickly mm. or something like that um maybe that would that would work out a little bit better but adding an extra tier of armor if it doesn't have any additional benefits other than just being you know tougher against hard-hitting stuff and lasting longer then what's the point in any of the stuff in between 
at that stage yeah that, that's yeah that's true. my thing it's like everybody just skips over diamond to get to whatever the higher tier thing is yeah. if it doesn't provide some sort of different benefit then i feel like it's kind of you know there's there's no point in the middle ground anymore well, maybe everyone's they, just going to go for the most efficient and the most yeah, effective thing maybe the thing there to do is not to not to supersede diamond but to be parallel with it and add say like ruby armor that is like super high or high fire resistance you know or or emerald armor being poison resistant or something like that maybe take a page from from the the kind of stuff you see in dungeon crawlers where it's the same armor rating but it's going to be better against some enemies and and or some environments than not yeah maybe and that, that's where they've kind of shot themselves in the foot with the uh, enchantment system already mm -hmm. i feel like the the attempt they had at that recently was the turtle shell helmet which gives you water breathing for 10 seconds and nobody uses it because they want water breathing for much longer because guess what it takes more than 10 seconds to swim around an ocean <laughs> so i i feel i feel like maybe the turtle shell helmet was them floating that stuff out and obviously integrating it into turtles as a feature was kind of cool but I don't feel like that was a particular success in terms of satisfying the player's craving for more stuff and delivering something that had some depth to it. Mm. So yeah, that, that's that's my thoughts. I, I like the idea of ores being included as uh, an additional block or maybe, you know, crafted into some other items. Last of all, biomes. I honestly think, much as I hate to say it, that they might be calling it quits on developing new biomes and only adding variants on existing biomes we've seen it happen already with changes to the tiger biome which we voted on they've got a bamboo forest that's part of a jungle now but is very much integrated into the jungle biome environment maybe once they add palm trees and stuff to the desert we'll see a desert oasis but every time i look at that adventuring time advancement and it's got a few extra biomes in it and i think oh what are those it's always like variants on an ocean variants on like jungle hills m or whatever you know there's there's all of these different subcategories they've changed all of the badlands stuff now so it's mesa plateaus and shattered badlands and that kind of stuff and i feel like they're probably done adding whole new biomes like a forest with cherry blossom trees instead kind of thing and having like a specific cherry forest biome i kind of feel like they might be done doing stuff like that and I'm, I'm fully wait, waiting to be proved wrong here. If this next update is going to be about the natural world and it turns out that there's some more biomes coming, great. I am happy to take the egg on my face at that stage. But I do kind of wonder, aside from having like underground biomes that might change up cave generation a little bit, I sort of wonder if biomes are done. Yeah, I don't want them to be, but I, yeah. I, I think that... I, well, I think that it, it, because they've talked about improving the existing biomes and it's taking them so long to do it, that if there are any new biomes, they're a long way out, would be my guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking because ultimately this game is going through a continuous development cycle all of this stuff could be open to change but there's a point at which they have to sort of draw the line and while minecraft may never be done i think it has it's still got to reach a point at which equilibrium has been met and there isn't really anything new to add that's going to detract from the existing player experience or kind of ruin the balance of stuff that they've already done and that may be something that shakes up Minecraft in future. You know, World of Warcraft had Cataclysm. Like, we're changing the entire landscape of the game for you guys. So, stranger things can happen. But I'm kind of wondering, if anybody else has some thoughts about this, by the way, feel free to email us, because I would love to hear people's thoughts about it. If anything about the game is finished and is never going to change, and that's it. 
let, let me know. Let me know. I would love to hear about it. But with that challenge issued to you, that is going to be it for this episode of The Spawn Chunks. Thank you so much for listening. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community, where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat and get us closer to hitting our next goal of reinstating the Chunk Mail Dispenser segment. We are super close right now. We're currently at 112 patrons. We're only a few bucks away, so pitch in if you feel like you can. And special thanks to our content engineers. We have a new one to add to the list this week. Cameron Sigelsi, uh, JD Williamson, Llamas, and Yitz. Thank you so much for your support on this episode. Spreading the word about the podcast is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell your friends. You can find us at The Spun Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. But a personal recommendation is by far the best way to share the show. Uh, I would recommend poking a friend in the arm. Not too hard, but hard enough. You can email the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube as well. And what was the other one? I think it's... Android. Android. Yeah. I knew there was more. There's We're everywhere. We're, it's really easy to find us. <laughs> we're all over the it's, place. Yeah. I mean, Google the Spawn Chunks. We show up immediately. It's quite easy. Uh, we're also rising the ranks on iTunes. And thank you to everyone that has left a five-star review. Most of them recently have just been empty. So they've just been ratings and reviews and uh, just the five stars. So we really, really appreciate it. It's helping us show up in more podcast feeds. And that's always a good thing. The RSS feed is linked at thespawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. And that is where you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Pixoriffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixoriffs, but this week I'm going to point you towards Twitch, where this Saturday I'm going to be teaching my wife to play Minecraft, and we're also going to be taking donations in support of the Astrea Foundation. Uh, you can follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Pixoriffs, to find me there, and you can check Twitter at Pixoriffs for more details about when we're going to go live. It's going to be sometime on Saturday, but we still need to figure out the details, but uh, yeah, more info to come on that. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I am doing online is at joelduggan.com. If you're interested in hiring me, then just drop me a line there. You can find my illustration portfolio, my design portfolio, and links to other things like the Citadel Cafe, the podcast that I do with other friends. We talk about sci-fi and geeky entertainment. You can also follow me on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram with just my name. I am super easy to find. I'm going to point you towards Twitch because that is where I'm having a lot of fun building farm fortress stuff. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and according to all known laws of aviation, there is no way that a bee should be able to fly. <laughs>